and welcome to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us here. Four o'clock hour on Thursdays. I do. I like this a lot. You may be on your way home and uh, or maybe hopefully winding down the day unless you do shift work. And I'm very respectful of folks who do shift work. So for you folks who are on shift work, if you're well, if you're doing the 3 to 11, you're just getting started uh, on uh, on that end of things. But we're thankful for you tuning in, thankful for you uh, giving some of your time here to this week's version of Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. You know, as a previous listener to this show, we're talking on any number of subjects. We're going to be doing that again here today. And, I, and I'll tell you, I got some interesting things uh, that I want to share with you here. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit of a teaser. I want you to hang with us through the whole hour. But we got some kind of interesting nuances sitting out there, some things that we're watching uh, relatively closely when it comes to all things financial and economic. But in doing so, even as we're talking about specific companies, we're going to be doing that again here today. Uh, those kinds of companies that are out there, those kinds of funds that are out there, ETFs, bonds, CDs, the whole mix, that in doing so, please be reminded, and you know this as a previous listener, that nothing that we're talking about here is intended as a specific recommendation for you. Meaning that even though we're talking on these things, and we may be talking about them in a little bit more of a positive or a little bit more of a negative light, again, Nothing intended as a specific recommendation for you. We strongly, strongly recommend that you reach out to your tax advisor, to your financial advisor, or if you'd like to reach out to us at North Main Financial, love to chat with you, love to hear about your particular financial journey and to see if there are ways in which we might be able to be helpful to you. Online, you can find us at northmainfinancial.com. That's north like the direction, main like the street, financial.com, northmainfinancial.com. We've got a contact page on there. Leave us your email address or a phone number. Let us know the most preferred and desirable ways for us to contact you. Again, at northmainfinancial.com. All right, we're going to jump right into it here. You know, the first segment, and and, and I, producer Bill, I'm going to, producer Bill may be a year or two actually a whole lot more than a year or two, younger than I am. So I'm going to lean on on some of his expertise here. Uh, Producer Bill, I, I've been told in this segment that I've been calling what's hot, that I should uh, say something to the effect of uh, what I'm talking about is lit, uh, li- li- like a match. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, and help me out. Is that, is, is that the correct vernacular? Uh, well, what, yes, that's, it, uh, that's sound advice. It, it is. Okay. Well, the, the person who recommended cool forever. Well, I, see, now that's the person who recommended it to me. I'm pretty sure is less than half of my age. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so let, let's call this lit. All right. All right. Or let's, 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 let's call this what's hot. All that's right. Great. Uh, getting into it. And I'm, t- I was teed up a little bit because, uh, but the folks on, on the morning show, which by the way, let's, let, let let's just, Look, good morning, LKN, 7 to 9 in the morning, Monday through Friday here on WSIC. Folks, you got to tune in. You really do. I, 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 I'll admit, I started to move away from morning radio a little bit, and I wasn't listening to it with any consistency, or I was listening much more to the... Uh, to the national broadcast, which I still do. I have to do it as part of my profession and certainly what we do at North Main Financial. But I'm telling you, tune in Monday to Friday. We got the chief, Justin. We got producer, Bill. It's great. It's hyper-local. They're talking on all manner of things here in the Lake Norman, greater Charlotte region. They're talking with guests, folks who own businesses. Lots of great stuff on Good Morning LKN, again, 7 to 9, Monday to Friday. The reason why I'm saying that is on this morning's show, they teed me up a little bit for what I'm going to say next. And, uh, 
I'll admit that it was on my radar screen, but I felt like I almost have to put it in first place here to get uh, to get kicked off on, on what's hot. And that has to do with, and I think this by any measure is hot, at least in the financial and economic universe, and that has to do with an IPO. Now, for you folks who, who may not be watching the stock market, may not be keeping track of stocks on a consistent basis, and I use an acronym like IPO, I mean, what in the world is that? Initial public offering. Without getting too far into the weeds here, it really is the first time that a company comes to market or is traded on the stock exchange. It's kind of exciting, especially when, the one I'm going to mention here in just a moment, especially when there hasn't been a whole lot of that here, especially in 2023, and then the size of it. So let's just hop right into it. Arm Holdings, A-R-M Holdings, a company that uh, at least initially was based out of the UK, has been owned for about seven years, almost seven years up until this point by a private equity firm actually out of Japan. And, uh, and, and now there is a portion of it, which is, uh, which has been made public. That portion uh, started to trade, I'd say around two o'clock this afternoon that, uh, that it came live and, uh, and traded as high as uh, about 20% over the initial uh, thought price. So it was about uh, $51 a share ended up, I think a little north of $60 a share. I didn't look at it before, right before we came online here, right before we came on the show. But it was about 14, 15% increase before. So I pulled back uh, a little bit off of that uh, superlative high that it had hit during the day. By the way, it's a very common occurrence, especially with a with a hyped, and it was hyped a little bit. Now, see, look at that. It's climbed as much as 25%. Thank you, Producer Bill. Much as 25% today uh, in terms of the appreciation in that stock. That can happen, especially with one that was hyped, that were, there was a lot of noise about it in my end of the universe, a lot of fervor. I think in part, well, two reasons. I'll offer up uh, the reasons why the ARM IPO was hot today. One, uh, ARM is, is one of the major players in the semiconductor, let's call it broadly, computer chip business. And they have some very significant professional relationships with names that you're going to on you're going to recognize immediately Apple, Google, Amazon. Uh, they are some of the chips, uh, which NVIDIA, uh, which are powering a lot of our devices. You may even have one and you don't even know it. You may have a, a phone, a laptop, an iPad, some other kind of, of digital device that's being powered by one of their chips. So big deal. Uh, they were public. They were brought private about six or seven years ago by this private equity outfit. They have now released part of the uh, of, of the shares that they have, actually a relative relatively small part. And this was part of the conversation that I know was on Good Morning LKN this morning. You know, when we talk about market value of a company, it's important to remember that that for most companies that are out there, that all of the stock which has been approved by the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, rarely is trading at uh, at one time, meaning that there is a float, there is an amount, there is a certain number of shares which are trading, but then there are also what are called treasury shares, or there are shares which are continue to be held by uh, the company itself, or there may be shares that in this like this case with Arm Holdings, which the company that actually took them private before they came public, they only released a small number of the shares actually to the public. So they have still maintained by most estimates about 90% of the shares that uh, that are outstanding. So they're the ones who are benefiting from the pricing on that in a public uh, market sense, but they're not actively trading, at least today, a significant portion of those shares. Very, very important to keep that in mind because sometimes when folks are trying to look at earnings per share or sometimes when folks are looking at 
at the profit margin per share. You know, they're looking at sometimes not accurate uh, number of shares that are either trading or, or shares that even exist. Because remember, for a lot of corporations, a lot of executives are paid in stock or they're paid in stock options. They may be drawing on those kinds of executive compensation plans from treasury stock or stock that the company owns. I know I'm getting in the weeds here a little bit on you, but I'm doing that intentionally because it's a big deal when we're looking at valuations of companies, how hot the stock is. I mean, one of the reasons why, and I'm not saying that necessarily this was true with ARM today, but one of the reasons why it's sometimes these shares move so much in a positive direction is there aren't a whole lot of shares that are out there being traded relative to demand. And so that can happen. That's how you get a hot IPO. That's how you get hot trading. So it really is wise to kind of see, you know, where things shake out a little bit before you jump too hard into it. I'm not saying that ARM is good to hold, bad to hold, or hold, period. But I am saying it's important to be wise about those kinds of things because often there's a lot of fervor. And then sometimes things cool down or settle out a little bit after a couple of days, a couple of months, etc. A lot more that goes into that, but wanted to give you that big one there off the top. All right. Well, we got a lot more on what's hot here. I, I got a full list. I'm not lying to you. So you're going to want to make sure to hang with us as we hear from our sponsors. You're listening to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby, thank you so much for hanging with us into the second quarter here. Football reference. Going to be talking about football with some regularity, although producer Bill, uh, I was some discouraged by by our Panthers output uh, here this this past week. I thought this was an opportunity for us to get one early uh, on the on the Falcons, and uh, it, we're going to need to play more like that sounds uh, for uh, for us to have some success there. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll hold up. I mean, we're fans. We're we're not giving up, right? We're not giving up. Early. early, early in the season. Early. early in the season. It's a long, you know, four quarters. Four quarters in every game. We're still early in the first. All right. I got excited talking about arm holdings there in the first quarter. Football reference again. If you'd like to give us a call here in the studio, if there are particular items that are on your radar screen that you would like us to discuss here on Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial, always enjoy hearing from you. Can't promise that I'm going to get it on the air in that particular time frame, but it may be something that we reference a little bit later, perhaps in a future show. We always want to, what we're offering here to be relevant. We want it to be important. We want to be the kinds of things that you like to hear when we're talking about all things financial and economic. Call us in the studio, 844-STUDIO-4. That's 844-788-3464. One more time, 844-788-3464 here in the studio. So let us know if there's certain things that you want to hear. There's certain things you don't want to hear. I guess that's important too. I think this next one you're going to want to hear though. I'm going to keep going with what's hot. I got a big list here. And if you're watching us on the socials. I have, uh, I have my list now, uh, very uncomfortable for me. I got my list now on, on a digital iPad instead of on a legal pad. And that, that makes me very uncomfortable. Producer Bill's laughing because he knows that makes me uncomfortable. I'm doing my best to get into the 21st century here. I'm, it's kicking and screaming. It's going to happen. All right. This, this is a big one. It, it, it's a big one in terms of the financial universe, but it's a big one because well, I like to eat. And I know chief, our chief here, Justin, he's a foodie. He's, he has a very um, elegant taste. I'll tell you, mine are pretty basic. We talked last week about Subway being bought by, by Rourke Capital. I love Subway. It's not an endorsement, by the way, of uh, Subway over any other sandwich shop. I have no discrimination. I love them all. This is a big one, though. J.M. Smucker 
Smucker, and you may recognize the uh, the name. It's it's in the jams and jelly section most often in, in, in our grocery stores. They also own some other things. They also own some things in, in the pet food end of the universe. Not going to get real deep on them, but I'm offering it up to you because J.M. Smucker has, uh, has made an offer and has been accepted to buy Hostess. And Hostess has meaning, if you remember that, and Hostess has meaning, if you like me, like Twinkies, like Ho-Hos, like Ding Dongs, I mean, all the kinds of things that were, well, if I could have had it my way growing up, probably would have been the only things I would have eaten in addition to Subway uh, growing up. So, they, But they bought them out. Now, in, from the financial end of the universe, big deal uh, in that Hostess has been uh, bankrupt twice. And, uh, and they were taken public here mm, several years ago, uh, again, after they had gone bankrupt twice. So a group of investors came in and they, um, they actually took them private and did some reorganization and then brought them public again. So they've been trading now for several years uh, in, a, in a public kind of way. But Smucker has now come in and really, I, I would say, an expansion of their efforts to get more into the snack sense of things. Now, Producer Bill, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I, I was looking at some data, doing some research on, on this. And yes, I was looking at all things financial, but I was also looking at things anecdotal on that. So um, I, I'm just asking for a percentage. So obviously between 0% and 100%. How, sure. how many folks, according to uh, to the research, would you think eat two or more snacks a day. So apart from three normal meals, uh, this, is, this is the kind of data that, uh, I mean, it's serious stuff here we're talking Man. about, Fook. How, how many on a percentage basis of uh, folks who eat snacks, how many have two or more in a given day? So between zero and 100%. Right. I'm going to say at least 75. I mean, if you're Get eating- out. You must be looking at my sheet here. I, that, that's probably so. You're you're, you're intelligent enough uh, from an electronic <laughs> standpoint. Seventy percent. You're right. Wow. Oh. I know. I know. Uh, Justin makes up for. You know. We talk about the mean. It's. A- <laughs> <laughs> he's above the meat. Yeah, he's, he's, right. yeah, exactly. he's, he's balancing exactly. out some folks who may not sure. have snacks at all. Yeah. Correct. See, now that, that, that makes sense to me when, uh, when you say that about the chief. 70% of, uh, of folks who, uh, who have snacks are eating two or more a day. I don't know. I, I guess if I was in the food business, then I'd want to be in the snacks end of things too. And, uh, and apparently that, that number went up, I guess for obvious reasons, but it went up dramatically during the time of COVID, meaning there was a lot of snacking going on uh, during COVID. But th- that number, that 70% number, at least according to the data that I uh, was reading, has, was true pre-COVID as well. So a very intense business in terms of uh, folks consuming outside of the, let's call it the normal three squares a day uh, sort of thing. So a lot of intensity, a lot of um, uh, desire for, uh, for a company like J.M. Smucker to buy out Hostess. So very interesting. Smaller deal. I mean, relative to my end of the universe, about a $5 billion deal. A lot of money. I'm not minimizing $5 billion, sir. Certainly, but when we're looking at the you know the ARM IPO that came public and over a fifty billion dollar valuation uh, today, relatively small in terms of the deal making end of the universe, but no less very important. That's why I'm bringing it up. Kind of like Subway last week. I got Hostess this week. We're probably Bill. I'm about to find something else in the food arena uh, next week for uh, for us to discuss. So again, J.M. Smucker buying Hostess. Uh, talking about uh, the what's hot end of things. All right. So we've talked about semiconductors. We've talked about food now. What would be a a natural transition into next? uh, What's hot? Correct. Fine art. 
No, that doesn't go together. Of course, it doesn't go together. But we're touching on things that are out there in terms of what may be dotting your your headlines here. You probably saw this actually a couple of days ago in the Wall Street Journal. I need to make sure to quote my my sources here. It was actually on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. So if you're a consumer of the Wall Street Journal, uh, this would have been on Wednesday's edition. So it's been yesterday's edition of uh, of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, very interesting stuff. And and, and producer Bill, I, I find this interesting uh, because. Any time that we're talking about fine art, and I'm talking about the real classics, and we're talking about you know, how the fine art pieces move, and in this instance, this particular Van Gogh piece, uh, which was stolen and literally uh, what was stolen from a museum several years ago, I want to say it was 2020 uh, when it was stolen from the museum, they actually caught the, uh, the perpetrators, already been convicted, or already been sentenced, but they never got the art piece back. Until this week. So very, very now, now are, you, are you a consumer? Or are you one who appreciates the fine I art? I definitely appreciate, appreciate fine, yeah. fine art, yes. I, it, and and I, I do as well, uh, certainly. But, it, you know, sometimes I'm looking at these things and I'm saying, boy, I hope nobody asks me to compare that to another piece of art. Correct. Okay, yeah. 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 Uh, because I, the, the, by, by most measures, this Van Gogh piece on the public market is worth $6 million. $6 million. Yes, I, I have some fine art if you're interested. I can show you later. All right. And, yeah. and hopefully if, it's around if, that same margin. I was going to say, well, that, then I'm, I'm not going to be your market for uh, for that kind of thing. Anyhow, the, the, the story behind it, if, if you if you read a little bit of the story, the journal carried a little bit of it. There was certainly a lot more out there on the Associated Press Wire and uh, in other spaces. The, the story about how the, the art came to be retrieved, I mean, literally, it's kind of like the stuff that you see in movies. What There was a Pierce Brosnan movie, Bill. Uh, there, there, this has been a while ago where he was some kind of art thief. I'm dating myself. It was probably 30 years ago, and I'm talking about it like it was yesterday. But uh, but it was it was kind of fun. It was catchy, right? I mean, mystery and and uh, you know, in this very elaborate world of uh, uh, of, of deception, and um, kind of sounded like well, so, some of it did. I mean, literally, there was an art detective that uh, that that was hired, uh, which I think, by the way, I think is just a really cool job. I have no idea what it entails, but it sounds very right. Weird. That is that is Mist- the coolest profession I've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no idea how you actually do it. I mean, Business it's not. This is booming. I, 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 I guess. I mean, it's not like you, well, I mean, search online. Okay. Anybody have a Van Gogh? No, you can't do it. I don't know how you do it. But but anyhow, the, I mean, literally this gentleman was was hired as uh, a Dutch art detective. And uh, there was some mysterious person who literally showed up, and, I, and I'm, I'm not making this up, literally showed up with the Van Gogh in an Ikea Bag. I mean, an IKEA like the furniture store, the Swedish furniture store, in in an IKEA bag, handed it to him and left. Now, again, the perpetrators were already, have already been convicted. Although, where was it? And what circled this particular person to be able to deliver a six million dollar painting in an IKEA bag to this particular artist? I don't know. Pretty cool stuff. I mean, again, this is is this Bill. You probably live in this kind of universe. This is just kind of like the other end of the moon to me. I, uh, that, I, that's just, I think it's kind of fun. Where my mind goes is, you know, while these writers are on strike, we might have yes. an opportunity here I, you know, to, to write our own movie. You know what? <laughs> and, and again, and I, and I know I'm dating myself. There was, there was a Pierce Brosnan movie where he was, because yeah. he was, oh goodness, now you're going to ask me for, Rene Russo was, was the, was the detective 
I think uh, if it was, c- call us in the studio, 844-788-3464. If you remember what that movie is uh, on there, it, this is financial. If you're talking about a $6 million painting, it is financial. But uh, but there, yeah, I, I think this is a great idea, especially- Is not, it the Thomas Crown Affair? Yes. That is, per- see, that's why producer Bill is, <laughs> is the expert that he is. Thomas Crown Affair, indeed. And, uh, and, and so something along those lines, but here it is playing out in real life. Now, now since we're talking big numbers, since we're talking- Talking art uh, also uh, was uh, was made aware, and I watch these things because commodities certainly are a a part of what we do at North Main Financial Group. Not that we're trading in fine art; we deal in securitized assets uh, almost exclusively. But when we're talking about what's moving in the world, certainly from a valuation standpoint, I think you're going to understand what I'm, what I'm going to say next. So Sotheby's, uh, which is one of the largest uh, auction houses uh, literally in the world, I, I think actually by dollars, they may be the largest in terms of the number of things that they bring to auction. They tend to bring very expensive uh, kinds of things. Just uh, saw recently, uh, well, I saw within the last 24 hours, uh, along the lines of fine art, they're going to bring a Picasso. So Pablo Picasso also, again, very, very classic. Classic in terms of uh, in, in terms of his uh, uh, paintings and, and their valuation, it's going to bring a hundred and twenty million dollar piece of art. Uh, to uh, to market here, uh, a pr- private collector in New York passed away, and uh, apparently several of her pieces. She had over a hundred pieces, hundred classical pieces, are going to be coming to uh, to auction uh, in November with Sotheby's and a hundred. A Pablo Picasso estimated to get one hundred twenty million dollars. It, it's it's amazing to me. I mean, the valuation aspect of things is just hard for me to compute because you know we're dealing in securitized assets all the time. Things trade on the market, like we were talking about with the arm. IPO. This makes its own market. Pretty interesting stuff there. So, all right. Well, I'm baiting you with that a little bit. I want you to hang around into the second half of this week's Dollars and Cents show. We're going to take a few seconds to hear from our sponsors. You're listening to Dollars and Cents here on WSIC News Talk Now. Welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second half of this week's show. If you'd like to give us a buzz in the studio as we're talking about all things financial and economic here, or we're certainly the interesting ones, right? We're not we're not talking about the uninteresting ones, but the interesting things that we're talking about here. But perhaps we miss one every once in a while. It's something you'd like to hear or discuss. Can't promise you we're going to get it in uh, exactly at the time that you call in, but we'd love to hear from you. And certainly if we can't, we'll make sure we get it in on a future show. 844-STUDIO-4. That's 844-788-3466. Again, 844-788-3464 here in the studio. If there are particular items you'd like to talk about from a financial or economic standpoint, we're not going to talk about specific recommendations. You know us well enough by now here on Dollars and Cents that we stay away from that on an individual level. But certainly if there are broad topics, things that you're seeing. I mean, first half of the show, when we talked on semiconductors or computer chips, we talked on Hostess and specifically Twinkies. And then we talked about fine art. I mean, I don't, I don't know how we're going to replicate this in the second half. I got to make sure I got enough good stuff for us to fill it. I do. I got plenty of stuff here. Don't you worry about it. We're going to be talking about the markets here in a little bit as well. So I want you to hang with us. But first, we're going to talk about something that's a little more, a little bit more sobering, a little bit more uh, of a challenge. But 
certainly significant in terms of impact uh, with regards to our automobile industry. Again, if you're watching the business news headlines, uh, and actually today, as of the time of this live broadcast, or as of the time of this recording, if you happen to be listening to it in uh, recording or podcast format, uh, it has to do with the ongoing negotiations between the UAW and, and the big three automakers in Detroit. UAW, United Auto Workers, the largest union for uh, automobile workers, and then the big three, uh, you're talking about Ford, you're talking about General Motors and the old Chrysler, which is now called uh, Dodge Chrysler, which is now called Stellantis. Even though we still have the Dodge and, uh, excuse me, we still have the Dodge um, symbols uh, out there, Stellantis is actually the name of the company. Big deal because uh, literally, as I said, as of the time of, of this broadcast, uh, there is a, I would call it greater than 50% likelihood that by midnight tonight or certainly by Friday, the uh, meeting tomorrow, uh, that we could have some level of strike uh, by the UAW. And I, and I say some level because, you know, reading just nonstop about what, you know, both sides are saying, it doesn't look like everybody is going to be walking out at the same time, although that, that certainly could change, but almost like a staggered kind of strike uh, sort of scenario. I'm not sure really what that means. I'm literally just repeating some of the words of some of the leadership on uh, on the UAW side of things. So we're watching that closely. Big impact for all the obvious reasons. I mean, when you talk about the automobile industry uh, here in the U.S., not only does it employ a significant number of folks, but all of us, or very nearly all of us, uh, have some level of transportation need with some regularity. So we're talking about some pretty widespread impacts. We're going to continue to watch it. We're going to continue to bring it up to, there's still quite a distance. And and what I'm going to say next doesn't have to do with me siding with one side or the other. Uh, this is actually public data. You can go find it yourself uh, that's out there because according to the chief, everything that you read online is 100%. That's not that's not true, actually. I got to break it to him. No, but I think this this part is true when we're talking about uh, this, the, the two sides and where they are right now. The, um, the big three on average have offered up uh, wage increases in the 20% range. UAW is looking in the 40% range in terms of increase uh, to wages. So there's still a huge gap. That's really the reason why I'm, I'm bringing that up here for thought and for, uh, for your consideration in, in thinking about what's happening around us. Still a pretty huge gap. So it looks like, like I said, it's probably greater than 50% probability right now that there's going to be some level of strike. How long is it going to last? What are going to be the impact points in terms of uh, manufacturing slowdown, meaning are we going to go back to a space uh, like we were during COVID for different reasons, but uh, during COVID where we had a real supply issue, uh, not only with regards to new cars, but with used cars. And that had to do more with going back to the first point of today's dollars and cents show uh, back to computer chips, semiconductor issues, where we couldn't get enough of those chips that now all of our vehicles have to be able to complete the manufacturing process. That was COVID that, uh, during uh, the time of COVID when that really slowed down and really reduced inventories dramatically. Now we're looking at possibility of manufacturing slowdowns, uh, at least for domestic cars here. So it's going to be interesting to watch how that um, percolates through the economic system. Obviously, we're going to stay on top of it. We'll bring it to you at a, uh, at a future time as well. All right, we're going to keep moving here. And uh, I, I almost think like we're, we're just going to take the, uh, you know, the what's hot segment. We're just going to keep going uh, through, uh, through through all of this. I guess you could say, I think all of this is, is, is what's hot. Yeah, probably. I get excited. I enjoy talking about this stuff. And uh, you probably can tell that, but there's a lot going on. 
And certainly when we're talking about all things economic and financial and those kinds of things which impact you, I think it's important that you're aware of these things so that you can make good decisions, prudent decisions in the most informed ways that you can there because things happen. Certainly life happens. My last meeting before I came in uh, to uh, to the studio today, I had to deal with somebody who's been working for a company for, uh, for over 30 years and was unexpectedly let go. Life happens. And, and so we want to make sure that you have the best information, most awareness that you can here from, uh, from dollars and cents. All right, let's pivot here a little bit. Something that's that, that's kind of hitting our radar screens, and we've talked a lot about the banking system, especially since March of this year. And, uh, and we went through two months, I would say, at least two months of time there uh, in, in March and April where there was significant concern percolating through our financial system. Uh, let me call it on a regional bank level. I really can't say that about the larger banks, the larger larger in terms of capitalization, deposits, loan portfolios, et cetera. So the big ones are the ones that are most familiar to you, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan Chase. Again, some of the largest ones in, uh, in the country. We're in this kind of space, but are smaller, more regional, or, or sometimes we call super regional uh, and our community banks definitely were going through a challenging time as we had some liquidity issues with a couple of our banks. Now, what was determined after a certain amount of time is that this was not a systemic issue, but there were definitely some banks that that were the two, three that I can think quickly that were taken over by the FDIC in a fairly short amount of time, meaning they could not meet the withdrawal requests of their depositors. And, uh, and then some others were put on watch. Now, I think it's important, and I'm giving you this background again, very intentionally so that because we get a lot of uh, questions on this kind of thing, I should probably tell you that there are about a dozen banks all the time, relatively speaking, all, all the time that are under watch by the FDIC. And when I say under watch, I mean, there's some concerns about liquidity, there's some concerns about loan portfolios, especially if they have big loan borrowers or, or big borrowers who are in danger of going bankrupt or not being able to meet their obligations and what that's gonna mean for the liquidity of the bank. That's happening all the time. So at some level, what happened earlier this year I'm looking at it, or someone like me is looking at it saying, well, this isn't particularly unusual. It just happened to be that for one or two of the banks, they were larger than normal. And uh, and I think that's really what hit it on the radar screen. But in terms of there are always being banks that, that are out there that are under watch or, or that there is some concern by the FDIC, whether it's a uh, more formal or an informal kind of watch, uh, those kinds of things are certainly out there. I'm saying all of that to say one of the phenomena uh, that are out there, and we have certainly been taking advantage of this, frankly, for our clients at North Main Financial is that as interest rates have risen, so have interest rates on CDs, meaning the kinds of uh, interest rates that you can gain by buying a CD. A CD, if you don't happen to know, certificate of deposit, it's an opportunity where if you uh, give your money to a financial institution for a certain amount of time, meaning it's relatively illiquid uh, during that time, you have the opportunity to earn some interest on it during that time in exchange for a promise or at least uh, to have some level of promise unless you pay a penalty, that you're not going to touch it for whatever that time frame is. And that can be something as, as quick as a week, and that can be something as long as several years, even a decade, and a whole bunch you know, in between. The reason why I'm bringing that up, and this is a little bit nuanced, so I don't want to get too far in the weeds here and lose you, but I think this is important. One of the things that's out there, we use them at North Main Financial all the time, is something called a brokered CD. 
without getting too far into the weeds on it, what it means is that folks like me, like us at North Main Financial, we can look at banks all over the country. And certain banks will offer up the possibility for folks like me on behalf of clients to be able to buy CDs from their banks. And we see, well, I look at a report every morning in terms of, so it's not different from a CD that you walk into a branch and, and buy it there, except you're going to buy their CD. What I look at is something that, that spans across several hundred banks all at one time. The only reason I'm saying that is one of the things from a macro standpoint that it's important to keep in mind when you're looking at the brokered CD amount or the, the amount that certain banks put out to brokers is that that money, and, and it is true, tends to be what we call hot money. That money moves quickly. It comes in quickly. It leaves quickly. As opposed to the folks who walk into the branches, that money tends to hang around. I mean, if you think about it, right? If you walk into a bank branch, you probably live relatively close by. You probably have perhaps a deposit account, a money, uh, money market, a savings, a checking account there. So there is, quote, stickiness to those kinds of things. And brokered CDs, no, no less insured, they're no less different. There, there's nothing that's different in terms of the security of the asset as guaranteed by the U.S. Treasury and the federal government. Um, one of the few places where I can actually say that legally, that it's guaranteed. Um, but they tend to, it tends to be a little bit hotter money, meaning that money moves in and out of those CDs a little bit faster. The only reason I'm bringing all of that up is for the banks that we're seeing that have the highest amount of brokered CDs in terms of the percentage of their deposits also happen to be banks that, at least at this point, are under watch or there is greater concern uh, by the FDIC and by the market overall. I'm not going to name them by names because I'm not going to be pointing them out or in any way trying to, to highlight some of the challenges there. But the amount of brokered CDs that these banks that are having some challenges right now have put on the market has gone up dramatically. Actually, by most measures, at least according to my data, is up over 80% year over year. That's a little bit of a cause of concern. I understand what they're doing. They're trying to raise capital so that they can loan better, so that they can uh, shore up their their financial situation. It's it's a very common kind of thing to do. The the concern, or let, let me call it a, a caution point on my end of the world, is to watch what that percentage is relative to their overall assets. And it's when it gets bigger, it's when that number gets larger, it's when it gets up over 10% or 15% of total deposits, that begins to hit my radar screen. So I just want you to know that's one of the things that, that we're watching at North Main Financial. It's it's not a concern about the bank itself. And like I said, it's not that those deposits are, are any less secure or anything along those lines, but it is something that we watch. I mean, we're watching, as you know, we're watching dozens of different points at North Main Financial. So there, there this is... Not necessarily uh, the biggest one that we're watching, but it definitely is one of the ones that's out there. And so it's definitely on our radar screeners. We're watching to see what's happening around us. All right. Well, we're rapidly approaching the fourth quarter here. I want you to hang with us. We're going to be talking markets here as we come back from break. There's a lot going on, a lot of movement. We talked about the big three automakers. We talked about semiconductors. we got a lot of things moving. We're going to be talking about that in the fourth quarter here as, uh, as we hear from our sponsors here on Dollars and Cents on WSIC. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the fourth quarter. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your willingness to, to stay with us here and, uh, and, and, and to hear about all things economic and financial. We've covered a lot of bases today. I mean, we've gone from fine art to Twinkies to automobiles. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good stuff. If you, if you missed the first three quarters of the show, football reference, go back and take a look at it. I mean, this day and age, go to WSICnews.com. You can go back. Take a look.
look at the or look at all the socials. We're on them all. I think. I mean, right, Bill. I don't think there's any social that I, about which I'm aware where we're not uh, connected in some way. And uh, and the good folks here at WSIC make sure that that all happens. So it's Twitter, it's Facebook, and, not Twitter. Sorry, plus X. Uh, I, I'll get it right. It'll only take me about five or 10 years to, uh, to figure that out. But, uh, but definitely do that if you'd like to, uh, to, to hear not just this program, but any of our programs here on WSIC or past shows of Dollars and Cents as well. While we're on break, we've got a call in from, uh, from Roger in Mooresville. Appreciate you calling in uh, and, and, and sharing with us. Roger shared one of those sentiments that I think is, is common out there. And, and it was really more of a point of concern about you know, things that we're seeing, you know, whether it's talk about economic and it may be political, you know, concern about things that are happening from a political standpoint. And the idea was, you know, would I be best served in just keeping my money, you know, in the proverbial mattress? Roger, this isn't going to be a recommendation for you or for anybody else for that matter, because everybody's situation is certainly unique and different. But it has historically been true to at least consider the idea that uh, that when we folks are most concerned about what's happening around us, that may be more opportunity than when folks are feeling utopic. Let me say it this way. Markets have historically moved in cycles. We got our peaks, we got our troughs, and we got a whole bunch of time in between. However, we as the investing public tend to think in straight lines. We do it all the time. When things are going up, we do. I mean, just, just listen to any so-called expert on any business news program. When things are going up and appreciating, we tend to think they're always going to go up. By the way, we do the exact same thing in the reverse. Whenever things are going down, we think they're always going to go down. And if you would just think counterintuitively sometimes, there can be opportunity there. Now, I'm not going to give you specific investment ideas or because, like I said, I don't know your situation or what may be prudent for, for your space. But with a 90-year history at this point since, uh, since the Great Depression there in the 30s, with 90 years of, of, uh, of market, market cyclicality in there, I think we got enough data to be able to say that that's, uh, that's an important idea to keep in mind. So sometimes running against the crowd, Warren Buffett said something to that. Warren Buffett, the, that old investor uh, out, out there in Nebraska, and I say old because he's been doing it for 70 years, literally, I've uh, been doing it for 70 years, said, uh, and he was using a metaphor at the time, that he said, essentially, if everybody is trying to get out of the building, bust your way in. And, uh, and by the way, the same in reverse as well. If everybody wants to get in, that may be a time to get out. So very important to keep that kind of thing in mind. Not, not saying that Warren Buffett's giving you investment advice, but it is important to remember how markets move. And so does that make uh, stuffing the money in the mattress bad? No, not saying that. But it is important to remember how the markets move, especially during times where we feel a little bit unsettled. All right, I promise you, we're going to talk a little bit about markets here. And we've been touching on that a little bit, uh, certainly in the kinds of that we're talking about the ARM IPO today. If we're looking at market indices overall, frankly, August now, halfway through September, things have been pretty modest. We had a pretty hot seven months. We came out of the gate hot. Why did that happen on January 2nd? I don't know. I told you that before. It doesn't make any sense to me how we, we feel a certain way on the 29th, 30th, 31st of, uh, of December. And th I mean, I've seen this happen so many times in my 28 years. That I know you can't believe I've been doing this for 28 years. I'm only 31 years. I'm not 31 years old, but I've been doing it for 28 years. And, and there, I've seen this happen a number of times where, you know, there's a certain sentiment on, on August, or excuse, August, bless, t December 28th, 29th, and 30th, and all of a sudden on January 2nd, we have the new year and hope springs eternal. Uh, very interesting how that happens sometimes. We had it happen again this year. And so for the first seven months of the year, we really moved in a positive direction as measured by our most popular stock indices. 
last uh, six weeks, let's call it, definitely been a cooling off, definitely been a, a little bit of the bloom off the proverbial rose, uh, if you will. Not that things pulled back dramatically. We haven't seen that. Again, as measured by the most popular indexes, you may have holdings or see holdings that have pulled back a lot. There certainly have been those kinds of uh, holdings out there that have done that, but not overall as far as the market is concerned. So it's been very interesting to see. It's almost like it's a treading water, using another metaphor. Uh, now I'm going to swimming. I'm skipping from football and going right to swimming with the treading water kind of metaphor. Uh, that, that, that's really what we've been seeing at this point. There's not a whole lot of motivation in the market right now, at least from my observational standpoint, to either push forward or to pull back. Now, that also can mean, and I'm not trying to be negative here, but it's important to be wary all the time in this business. That also can mean that we are susceptible to a pretty significant move in one direction or another with an unexpected data point. All of that is to say, when things are kind of moving in, in, a, in a sloshy way, not, not, too, not too high, not too low, things can happen where uh, that, thing, that things can move on a, mm, let's call it medium grade data point in a pretty significant way. So just kind of keep that in mind, kind of keep that in the back uh, of your mind there. It's important to be aware of that. It's also a good idea, and this comes to the markets, but this comes to portfolio management overall. You hear me say this a lot here on Dollars and Cents. It's never a bad thing to take a little bit of your gain. It's not. And, and I'll, I'll give you my biases. I'm a bird in the hand kind of guy that I, I'd much rather have one in the hand that, uh, that I, I know we can hold on to. So you should know my biases as far as that's concerned. But it's never a bad thing to take a little bit of a gain. You hear me talk a lot about the mean, about the average, right? And if we're running hot above the average for a little bit, why not take a little bit of that gain? By the way, you can then stash that off to the side and when things run below the average, which I promise you they will again, uh, here below the average for a little while, maybe you can put, go back in and buy a little bit on the cheap. Not saying that that's the right strategy for you, but it is a strategy that you may want to keep in mind that can help to take advantage because I think, I mean, catch me if I'm wrong here, call us in the studio, 844-STUDIO-4 if I'm wrong uh, here, but I think part of the idea is that we're supposed to maybe buy low and sell high. I think. I mean, that's, that, I'll toss that out there too. You don't have to agree with me. Call us in the studio if you disagree, and I'm happy to hear your thoughts on that as well. But there is something to that, quite seriously. So now we're looking at, goodness, we're going to be at the end of the third quarter here in a couple of weeks. That, that's uh, producer Bill and I were talking about that earlier today. That's, that's hard for me to wrap my head around, uh, that, that we're already almost three quarters of the way through the calendar year. And, uh, and we're thinking about all things fourth quarter. So what are we looking at from a market standpoint? What are the things that, that we're seeing out there? Well, the Federal Reserve, you hear me talk about a lot about them. We're in an interest rate uh, raising cycle. So we're spending a lot of time thinking about what they're doing and their effect. They may raise rates one more time. Tough to know. The markets are kind of sideways at this point in terms of the futures contracts, which frankly attempt to predict what uh, what they're going to be doing. We'll also say that in some of the rhetoric that we're hearing from some of the members of the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve, we're starting to hear more balanced kinds of um, thoughts, uh, meaning for a long time, let me just uh, provide the dichotomy here. For a long time, last 15 months, 16 months uh, or so, it was pretty unidirectional. Everybody said, everybody on the Board of Governors said, we need to raise rates, we need to raise them significantly, we need to do it quickly. They did. I mean, no doubt about that, about what's happened here over the last 16, 17, 18 months. But now you're starting to hear some, I, I would call it nuanced difference of opinion. Uh, most of those folks are very good about using words all the time and not saying much at all. I mean, that's good. They should. I mean, that's that's part of what, uh, what they should do. But we're starting to hear, as you're reading the proverbial tea leaves a little bit, 
we're starting to hear a little bit more balanced uh, kinds of thoughts, which means we're, we're close to the end of the raising cycle. Is there another one out there? Maybe. Uh, what does that mean in terms of overall interest rates? We got folks here at WSIC who are really good. The chief, Justin, you know, he's, he's in real estate. He's a real estate attorney. He'll give you much more detail and more elegant thoughts in terms of what this may mean for the real estate market. I will say we're probably going to continue to see a little bit of an uptick in rates from where we're sitting right now. What does that mean when I say a little? I'm not going to give you a specific uh, percentage amount. I don't know because the market doesn't move in, in a one-to-one -one correlation with the overnight lending rate. So it, it, it's hard to say, but there is a possibility that we could be looking uh, at, uh, at at slightly higher rates from where we are right now. So when, you know, when we're looking at that, we're looking at the markets. I'll tell you one of the things that that has I'm going to use the word flummoxed me uh, here so far uh, this year. Uh, usually, when we have a higher interest rate environment, when things are moving in in an aggressive way with increasing interest rates, very often I, I will say very often I, I don't think I'm at all out of school in saying that we tend to see the more aggressive companies, i.e., technology companies or more aggressive capital appreciation companies. We tend to see them pull back, and actually notably so because cost of capital rises, cost. The capital rises. If you're a more aggressive company, you're borrowing a lot of money in order to fund capital appreciation. It gets more expensive to do business. Valuation comes down because your profits get squeezed. That's 10 seconds in one deep breath there about how aggressive companies uh, go together. We haven't seen that. No, it's not true that we haven't seen it at all. There certainly are companies that have pulled back. But as a sector, we really haven't seen that. And that's that's been very interesting to see. Very, very interesting to see because that is that is an unusual kind of phenomenon, especially now that we've had oh, at least a year now of, of, of an adjusted higher interest rate environment. So the pretenders are starting to get weeded out. And if you're able to survive in this uh, and then even thrive in this kind of environment, we're starting to be able to see that uh, in terms of earnings reports and, and 10 Qs and 10 Ks, you know, all that stuff that uh, would, I'm sure would put you to sleep. But people like me get real excited about them in, uh, in, in reading those kinds of reports. But we're, we're seeing a, really a, a little bit of a thinning of the herd, and we're seeing some companies really doing very well, even in this environment. So again, I'll, I'll say it again, has, has flummoxed me this year, and I'm not sure what that that's going to mean here for the balance of the year. I'll tell you, though, that because we've been running above the average for a notable amount of time, my expectations are muted. Now, I'm more conservative, so I'm not the kind of person who's going to be out there saying, well, that we need to, you know, th this is the time to do it after things have moved up a lot. This is the time to be putting, you know, more aggressive capital in play. I'm not that person. There certainly are those folks out there. I tend to be more conservative on those kinds of things. There certainly are other opportunities now. Higher interest rates, when we look at money markets and CDs, not a recommendation, but definitely those kinds of things that are out there that a year and a half ago, folks, we didn't have them, meaning we had them, but nowhere near the rates that we have today. So you want to make sure that you keep that in mind. You want to make sure as you're looking at your portfolio, doing your planning now between this point and the end of the year, that you make sure that you're aware of the environment in which we are. Very, very important. Well, friends, I appreciate so much you hanging with us on this week's version of Dollars and Cents. My name is Joshua Doby, and until the next time, I'll look forward to chatting with you soon. The new 105.9, 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, Mooresville, North Charlotte.